Good morning, everybody, and welcome today to uh, the Digital Cathedral. I want to get right into the Word this morning. We've got a lot of ground to cover, but I just wanted to let you know that it's good to have you with me today, and I look forward to studying this book of Galatians with you. We're working our way this year through the books of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, and we're up to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. What I want to do this morning is to finish this chapter off. So <clears throat> if you have your Bible, you want to follow along, have your phone app or whatever's available, I want to read verses uh, 16, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 down through verse 26. Paul says some powerful things here, and we're going to talk about it for the rest of our time. In verse 16, Paul says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit. Well, this is really important. This is good. He says, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, haven't we spent uh, a lot of years trying to figure out how to not fulfill the lust of the flesh? When, when we talk about the flesh, what we're really talking about are our five physical senses and the data that the five physical senses, you know, what you hear, see, touch, smell, taste, that data that feeds to your brain and then the brain makes a decision based on what the five physical senses have fed to it. <clears throat> That's not the way we walk. That's what gets us in problems. He said, if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When I read that this week, it struck me how Paul said that we can live a life where we don't fulfill the lust, the lust of our flesh. Um, and that is just by walking in the spirit. If you walk in the spirit, then the lust of the flesh is not a problem. So again, I think in church, we've gone about this kind of backwards. We've tried to figure out a way through, you know, victorious living or five steps to living, living a, uh, a conquering life. All, the, all those formulas have tried to teach us how to, how to deal with our flesh. When Paul very simply says, if you walk in the spirit, you walk from the inside out. You walk from this man that is on the inside. Automatically, then the flesh is not a problem. And he goes on and he explains it just a little bit further in verse 17. He said, for the flesh, for the flesh lusts, or in other words, its desire is set against. For the flesh has a desire that is set against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another so that you would not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. There again, we've tried to teach people through behavior modification how to, how, to, uh, how to keep law, how to please God by obedience and activity and dedication. And Paul <clears throat> comes out very specifically again. And he says, if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. I think already in this passage, you're getting the idea that what Paul's getting at is how to learn to walk in the spirit. He, so far, he said, if you walk in the Spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, you're not subject to the law. Let's keep reading. But if you are led by the Spirit, verse 18, you're not under the law. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are these. So if you're, if you're caught up in living a life that is dictated to by the five physical senses and the data it feeds to your mind, then making logical, reasonable choices, it's going to produce something. And he says, so the fruit of the flesh or the works of the flesh are evident, which are these. And he lists them all out. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry. I mean, we could spend forever on these. Sorcery, hatred, 
contentions, jealousies, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I have told you beforehand, just as also I have told you in the past, that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When he says not inherit the kingdom of God, let me just remind you, he's not talking about going to heaven. The kingdom of God is within you. He's saying that you don't, you don't walk into the fullness of what God has planned for you, has planned for all humanity, if these things are ruling your life. You don't inherit. You're not enjoying the inheritance that Christ died to give you. So we're avoiding that. But then he goes on, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. So again, Paul's saying that if, you, if these things run your life, if these nine fruits of the Spirit run your life, then again, the law has no effect. You're not, you're not have, you don't have to worry about law. In this whole passage of Scripture, Paul is talking about our ability to not be encumbered by law, to not have our spiritual, emotional strength zapped by law, but how to walk in spirit to negate these and neutralize them automat automatically. Automatically. So it's, it's where you put your concentration. So let me, let me finish up here in verse 24, 5, and 6. And those who have... Uh, and those who are Christ's, verse 24, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, then we ought to walk in the Spirit. If that's the lifestyle that you choose, if that's the way you want to live, then you have to walk it out. You have to learn to walk from that inner man and not from the five senses and what your brain tells you based on what the five senses feed it. In verse 26, he says, And let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying or envying one another. So in this passage, in these 10, 11 verses, it gets right down to, the, to where you live, doesn't it? I mean, this, this passage of Scripture is about where the rubber meets the road in everyday life. And it shows us, it shows us that we have a tremendous amount to do with how our life unwinds, how we live our life. Uh, it's, it's all about living out of flesh, again, out of the dictates of the five physical senses. He says that's one alternative. Or living out of spirit. So we could, we could say it's like this. It's either living by what you choose, which is flesh, data, fed, wise decisions, you think is wise, what you think is best for you, living by choices, or living by spirit, which is a life of response, to what the Father in the Son through the Spirit leads us to do. It's, it's a life of responding versus a life of choosing. Either, either walk that you decide to manifest, if you're going to walk in the Spirit or walk in the flesh, it's going to produce fruit. There are natural outcomes of those two lifestyles that become very evident. And so Paul lists those out, and we read through that long list of things that happen when we walk in the flesh, and we also read the things that happen when we walk in the Spirit. And let me just reiterate, if you're going to be totally free from law, the easiest way that I know to get yourself where law does not have a hold on you is to walk in the love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, long-suffering, meekness, mildness. All nine of those fruits 
which are, which are a natural production of walking in spirit, as those are generated and produced in your life, then all the rule keeping, all the religious activity that we spent so many years learning becomes null and void. One, one way was somebody, somebody uh, asked me this week, how do you know if you're living by spirit or living by flesh? I'm going to talk about that all morning long, but here's, here's a very easy guide. Flesh always drives you. Spirit always leads you. There's a difference between being driven and led. When you are driven, you feel compelled. You know, it's a, it, 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 it oftentimes comes with that panicky feeling that I just got to get this done. I, I, I'm, I'm being pressed. But leading is a drawing. It's a, it's a pulling toward. Now, you, you can't live both driven and led. It's gonna, you're most likely, I mean, you will be living out of one or the other. You can't be led and driven. And that's where the battle is. The battle between being driven and being led. The battle of flesh versus spirit. The battle of choices or responding. In verse 24 and 25, he says, Those that are Christ's have driven a stake through the heart of flesh and they refuse to resurrect it. See, your old man, your flesh man, died with Christ on the cross. He's dead. What we've done for generations is we've resurrected him. We've, we've given life and authority to that which has no life and authority. So now we find ourselves in 2020 and with what God is doing in the earth, we're on a journey where we're either led by the Spirit, and if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, you're being continually fed understanding and fresh revelation by the Spirit. If you're living by Spirit, if you have, if you have the ears to hear, then you, you're recognizing in your life that there seems to be this constant flow of fresh, fresh revelation, fresh understanding that comes to you. And for a lot of us that have been raised up all our lives in church, that is a, that is a new awakening. That's a new dimension. I think for a lot of years, I'm going to just be transparent with you for a minute. I think for a lot of years, I, I, I've tried to live out of both, both realms. I, I kind of followed soul and spirit. It was back and forth. And a lot of us that were religious perfected that down to a T. And it kind of looked like this. Here's how I kind of lived for a lo long time. If the Spirit was leading me, I felt inside a compulsion. You know, as a pastor, I'd feel like God wants to take the church this direction or I need to do this. You know that sense that you have. Now, if I felt that, that urge and it made sense to my mind, <laughs> then I would do it. On the other hand, if something was logical, if something was logical, made sense, people around me thought it was also a good idea, then I would respond without, without really consulting what was going on inside. And as I responded to what I felt was right, logical, good, beneficial, I would ask God to bless it. So I found myself a lot of times in life entering into things out of my own intellect without spirit consultation from within, finding myself then getting in a dilemma and then I have to pray and ask God to, to bless my efforts that he actually had not even taken me into. So, but grace is changing all of that. 
Grace is awakening the sons and the daughters of God to a world that for the most part we were never aware of very fully. It was there, but because it was invisible, we, we really didn't, we, we didn't see it. And now that I've, I've gotten into this and I'm, I'm beginning to see things like I've never seen them before, I'm beginning, beginning to ask, where's, what's happened to the cloud of witnesses that Hebrews talks about that are supposed to be pulling for us and rooting for us? Why don't we have any connection with them? What's, what happened to the angels that ministered to Jesus? What about the angels that came and, and brought food to Elijah or the ones that delivered Paul out of prison? Surely they haven't gone crickets. Surely they haven't gone silent. It's just that we have not been able to tune in. We've not been aware of them. So the, the, the world of spirit has been there, but we just haven't had a clue about it. No one has helped us to develop that spirit sensitivity. So this father today, through the son in the spirit, is now with increasing intensity taking us into that realm, into that dimension, and he's unveiling it stronger and stronger and it's been it's kind of been an ongoing process since Acts chapter 2 verse 14 to 17 I probably should read that for you Acts chapter 2 if you've been around that's a pretty familiar chapter but it kind of sets our thinking so let's read this Acts chapter 2 and verse 14 this is when Peter was uh, speaking on the day of Pentecost, and it said that he stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and said to them, Men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, because it's only about the third hour of the day. It's about nine o'clock in the morning. Too early to be drinking. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And here's what's, here's what's been going on since Pentecost with increasing and in intensity is the only word that I really know how to describe it. He said, in the last days, and Joel prophesied, in the last days it shall come to pass, says the Lord, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, all flesh, good flesh, bad flesh, Hindu flesh, Muslim flesh, Christian flesh, all flesh. I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy and your young men shall see visions. Now, since that time, and probably with increased concentration since the 1900s, it led all, all the way up 500-year periods. You can, you can trace it. But in 1900, this thing really took a turn, and the spirit dimension uh, began to really expand. And so... Be, the, the, the two worlds, spirit and natural world, began, and we, can, we began to witness this conflict, this, this going back and forth, this crossover between worlds and dimensions, and it's continued to increase. And I, 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 what I'm seeing today is that natural and spiritual are merging. And so we're, we're into a walk in the spirit more today than we've ever been. And you, you probably are, are into the spirit more than you realize because he's kind of eased you into it. And so we're seeing the last days of soul-driven <clears throat> spiritual living, which you can't be a soul-driven spirit-led, either you're spirit-led, soul-led, flesh-led. So the last part of the soul is falling off and that has to do with our self-will, right? Self-will, we're realizing that self-will has not profited us. 
Uh, carnal thinking has not prom profited us. Being driven by our ego has not, has not, in the long run, has not profited us. I've seen those things do short-term helps, but they tend to come back and bite you. Self-will, ego-driven, all of those things that come out of the soul. This realization of the world that as he is, so are we in this present world. The fullness of that is sitting at the doorstep. And I don't think it's something way down the road. It's here. It's, it's, it's come to us. In our, in our greatest moments, however, when we sit down and think about it, we still haven't grasped, I don't think, the enormity of what the Father's doing in the earth. I don't think we've allowed, I don't think we've sat down and just let our mind expand in consciousness till we have come to any kind of full realization of what the Father's doing, of all the provision that He has released on our behalf, the things that He, he has uh, made available to us. It's tapped by us today, tapped by Jesus in His time. It comes out of this life force that is within us. This is how we enter into the things we're talking about this morning. So in case you haven't hit it yet, what I'm talking to you this morning about is what Paul talked about in that fifth chapter of Galatians is how we can tap into spirit, how we can be spirit-led and not soul-driven or flesh-led. I see today that mind dependence is diminishing and spirit dependence is increasing. In fact, Listen, listen, listen closely. The more reliant you are on spirit, the less you think. The more dependent you are on spirit, the less you think. So you don't have to be an intellectual genius to follow spirit. In fact, in fact, thinking hinders, hinders your spirit ears from hearing. Because you're, you get into this conflict then of what Paul was talking about between one, the flesh wanting to take you one way and the spirit wanting to take you another. Now as you, begin, as you lean more towards spirit and you begin to follow spirit, then the need to think diminishes. See, that's where choosing comes in. Choosing is all about thinking, rationalization. Spirit leading is all about responding. The Father says and you do. You hear what he says and that's what you say. You say what he says. And that's, so we're in, this, we're in this transition right now. And it's coming right down to where this is the generation that's going to have to walk this out. Look, look at me at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let me read verses 9 to 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. He says this, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the natural heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those that love him, right? So we, he's saying you don't get this stuff through your five physical senses. Why have we depended so much on our senses? Well, he tells us, verse 10, God has revealed them to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things. The Spirit searches the deep things of God. Verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So we're talking about some spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection here. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is from God, whereby we know the things. We know the things by the Spirit which have been freely given to us by God. Then he says in verse 14... 
The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness to him, because they don't make sense. The senses don't feed the data. He cannot know them because they are spiritually discerned. So what we've done all our lives up to this point, or maybe a few years ago, you begin to make this transition. What, what you tried to do was through logic and reason understand the things of the Spirit, and it just didn't work, did it? You found yourself, like me, vacillating between soul and, and spirit. If you felt the Spirit drawing you to do something and it made logical sense, it was reasonable, you went ahead and did it. If it didn't make logical sense, then you had a conflict. And for me personally, more often I followed the logic, the reasonable conclusion rather than the urge that came from within. And so I'm sure I missed a lot of good things from God over the years because of that. Because of that. To our intellect, spirit isn't always logical. As you drop the soul walk and walk from within, that's when you discover the ability to see and function in divine truth. That's when you begin to see the truth of what spirit is all about. Seeing what the Father does, then we do it. Hearing what the Father says, then we say it. And that, that seeing and hearing from the Father, that's, it rises from within. It doesn't, it doesn't enter from without. Right? I'm, when I say we hear what he, what he says, I'm not talking about an audible voice that speaks to you. It arises from within. It, it, it looks like this. It feels like perception. It feels like uh, a consciousness. It feels like a prompting. L let me make it even more plain. It often feels like a gut feeling. You ever have a gut feeling? You know what a good chance that gut feeling is? It's the Spirit of God that's speaking to you from within. You, you, you sense it. You sense it. You sense it. And then what you sense, what you perceive, what, what, what the gut feeling is, the prompting, you... You acknowledge it. So we're in, a, we're in a season of two worlds right now. You and I are this transitional generation that are bringing people out of soul into spirit. So you're kind of learning the way of this. So we're in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a season, there have been other transitional generations between Old Testament and New Testament, and we could get into some of those. But... You're in a generation that's learning to put its inside ears on. Listen to what goes on inside. And when you listen to what goes on inside, it'll direct you. It'll absolutely direct you where to spend your time, where to spend your money, what to make an emotional investment in. It'll, it'll tell you what to read. It'll tell you elements that you need to eliminate out of your life. It may tell you what television programs you need to cut off because it's having an emotional negative effect on you or what movies not to see because it's not aiding where the Father's taking you. Now, are, are you going to hit it 100%? Probably not. Probably not. But how many mistakes did you make following what was reasonable and logical? Now, if we would spend the same amount of time trying to tap into what the Spirit of God is saying as we spent trying to trying to refine our intellect and what we followed through our mind, I'll tell you what, we could become much more perceptive than we've ever done. When you're free to live from within, you live free uh, of what's going on on the outside. And man, how we need to hear that today. There's so much going on on the outside. The way you can get through what's going on on the outside is to live from the inside. 
God will teach you how to live from the inside. So let me move you just a little bit deeper into this. Let me, let me start pulling all of this into spirit. Because there seems to be, have been like this veil that has blocked us off. We're not aware of it. We're not conscious of spirit like we should be. It, it's, there's a veil that's the blinder that separates the realm of spirit from the physical. Actually, the veil does not exist. But we feel like it does because of our unawareness. The unawareness that you have is actually the veil. It's actually the veil. When Jesus died, he ripped the actual veil in the temple that had held the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. He ripped that veil from the top to the bottom, which released then the presence of God, released it from the Holy of Holies into the planet. So it wasn't just the priest now going into the Holy of Holies once a year to encounter the presence of God. The presence of God now is available to all of us. He ripped the veil, so it's a matter of our unawareness. That's where the veil has been. A veil hides, a veil covers. A veil distorts your perception. The, the veil in our mind that has been there, however, listen, cannot cloud spirit awareness. Spirit awareness bypasses the veil that has been in the mind. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't heed or yield to the veil that's in the mind. It moves around the mind. It shows you from within. It doesn't, the mind is no longer a filter to the presence of God, to the spirit that is within you. So as you, as you move into this walk further, as you move into the walk of spirit out of soul, this veil in our minds gradually diminishes. We become less aware of it. The presence of God, the spirit of God, the leading of God becomes much more, much more acutely aware of it. So we, we're in this accelerated process right now. Don't don't be shocked at how much and how fast you're learning, how much revelation is coming. We're in an accelerated process. Our personal vibrational level is, is ascending. And as it rises, as we become more attuned, as we become, uh, as we become more aware of the spirit, and we hear by spirit more easily, as we, as we have, uh, you know, like we developed our senses, we're developing spirit. In fact, in fact, let, let me just lay this out to you. <clears throat> Your spirit is going to become so highly developed that you're going to see by spirit as easily as you saw by natural eyes. You'll see as accurately, as clearly by spirit as you did by natural eyes. It's, it's about communication from the father to the sons and the daughters. And the communication from the father to the sons and the daughters is not about words. He doesn't necessarily communicate by words. It's, it's the transmission of energy. It's the transmission of frequency. Spirit communication is about us tuning into the right frequency. It's about us learning to listen to the, to the, to the right links, to the vibrational level. It's not verbal. It's, it's tuning into... Frequencies. Think about it with me for just a minute. And I, I think I may have used this illustration before, but it's, it's probably as good as you can get. Think about it. This auditorium that I'm in this morning, every radio frequency is in this room right now. Every radio frequency, every television station is, is available in this room right now. Uh, 
If you, if you get the right frequency, you can get a weather channel or sports or news or talk radio, whatever you want. But you can't see it, but it's in here. What you need is a receiver. You need a radio. If you have a radio and plug it in, turn the radio on, it is, it is tuned to pick up the frequency of AM, FM. If I go in my car, I can get Cirrus radio. You can pick up the frequencies. Can't see it. It's invisible, but it's real. It's just you have to have the right equipment to pick up the frequency. Now, the radio in my car, I can preset to my favorite stations. I, 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 can, I can preset my radio, listen to this, I can preset my radio to my favorite unseen frequencies and I can on demand call it up anytime I want it. Now, what if, what if Jesus' radio, which was the Holy Spirit, what if he had within him preset the frequency by the Father to healing, to miracles, to walking on water, to multiplying loaves and fish. And Jesus could turn the knob of the radio, of the receiver, of the spirit within. He could turn to that frequency. Even though he couldn't see it, he could turn to that frequency whenever he needed it. Now, in my car right now, I have seven preset stations. I, I just looked to see how many before I got here. I don't know how many I can actually preset, but seven takes care of pretty much everything I listen to. Now, here, listen to me real closely. I, I can turn the knob to those anytime I want to. Now, I can sit in my car, and I can pray my little heart out to get 60s music on the radio. I can just pray and pray, God, I'm believing for 60s music to come out of that radio. I, I can fast until I'm skin and bones to get the weather station. I can call the church prayer chain and say, I want you all to come into agreement in prayer with me that I can get uh, one of my favorite stations, which is Soul Town on Cirrus Radio. I'll tell you what, none of that works. No, I'm not going to get anything on the radio, even though I'm praying, I'm fasting, I've called the prayer chain. I'm not going to get anything because that's not the way the radio works. Are you hearing me? See, we've tried to make the radio work in a way that the radio doesn't work. I can, I can turn the knob to the right frequency to get the desired result. But I can only operate the radio to the extent of my knowledge of the radio. I'll be honest with you, when I got this car, I had to take the owner's manual inside and I read it through to find out how to operate the radio because it was too complex. I, I couldn't tell just by looking at it. But once I received instruction, I could operate the radio. Doesn't God say his people perish for a lack of knowledge? Didn't say his people per perish for a lack of prayer? Didn't say these people perish for a lack of fasting, lack of calling to prayer chain. They're perishing because they've lacked the spirit knowledge on how to operate the radio. Well, right now, what he's, what he's doing, folks, digital cathedral people, listen. Right now, what he's doing, he's tuning in your receiver. He's cutting static out of your life. Everything that has made it so it's hard for you to hear, he's cutting out so all you're able to hear is the voice of the Father. 
Jesus said, of my own self, I can do nothing, neither can we. The Father, through the Spirit, has got to unveil. He's got to teach us how to operate the radio. The radio's in you. The receiver's on the inside. But he's got to help us to know how to get the right frequency at any time. Isn't that how Jesus lived? Jesus was able to pull up the right frequency, turn the knob to whatever he needed. Acts 10, verse 38 says, How God anointed Jesus. You know what anointing is? Anointing is a divine enablement. What did that divine enablement do? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about just doing, what it, just doing his thing, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. You know, whatever, whatever he encountered, he was able to turn the knob internally, set the frequency, and be able to do the healing or whatever was needed to be done in that situation. So as we, we walk out of soul and we walk into spirit, the more we tune into that, there's an automatic raising of our vibration. And it tunes us, it begins to tune us into the right frequency as we leave this dichotomy of spirit and soul and we let those two worlds come together and merge in one and we totally live out of spirit. Words set the frequency. Words raise the vibration. And it works, the words that raise your vibration come through a focused intention. God spoke the frequency of what he created, his intention. Do you notice on each day of creation there was a focused intention that God had? And then he used the words of his mouth to bring into the scene realm what his focused intention was set on. On, on day three, whatever he's creating on day three, he didn't... He didn't have a focused intention on day four. He stayed on day three because that's what he needed. Then he said, then God said. See, there's tremendous power in focused attention, focused intention, not intention. And here's where most of us lose it. We get, we get a focused intention for about 12 hours, maybe two days, three days. But then we lose the focus. Other things come in, distractions come in, circumstance, the soulish stuff, the five senses feed data, it's what I'm talking about. It feeds data and you, you lose your focused intention. Right? And when you lose your focused intention, you stop using words. There's power in focused intention. Words speak the focused intention into what you can see. Now, you're going to need to listen to this probably three, four times. This is a revelation that I'm seeing. Focused intention is, is imperative. But you can't lose the focus. What, well, what if it takes six months? Don't lose the focus. And you use the words of your mouth to agree with the focused intention. The words are what we hear. The words, the words have creative ability. Your words can create negative or positive. You tell a child they're dumb, stupid, and will never amount to anything long enough that creates, that focused intention creates their life for them. And they're going to have a hard time getting out of it. Words, words have creative power. 
So what, what do you want your words to create? You want your words to create what your focused intention is. So it runs like this. <clears throat> we have a focus. We have words. Manifestation. All right, now this is about vibration. This is about frequency. See, we're co-creators. That's what it gets down to. Image and likeness of God, we're co-creators. What is it that we, we co-create? Well, the power of life and death is in your tongue. Words give life to intention. Some of us daydream, we, but we don't stay on what we daydream. If, if in your daydreaming, God gives you, hits in your spirit, that's for you then you need to focus your attention on it and use the words of your mouth. If that's what your real desire of your heart is, keep your words on your focused intention until you see the manifestation. That's what faith is. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It holds strong from focused attention, words that are spoken until manifestation. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. We've entered this dimension. Now, are, are you ready for it? That's what I, I, I ask myself. Am I really ready for this? Because this, you know, you're going to think I'm strange, and I've been strange a long time. Been strange a long time. Different. And I ask myself, are you really ready for this dimension of living? Are, are you ready for this, for example? John chapter 6. Look at this. This, this is my, this is my, you get into some mind-blowing stuff. And we, we, we read it and we go, yeah, well, that was, that was Jesus, you know. But then we turn right around and read 1 John 4, 17, that we're supposed to be like he is in this present world. But we say, well, yeah, all that stuff was just Jesus doing. I can't be like that. Well, are you ready for it? Because you're moving into that realm. You're moving into that dimension. John chapter 6 and verse 21. John chapter 6 and verse 21. Then they that willingly received him into the boat, they willingly received Jesus into the boat. Watch. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Are you ready for that kind of action in your life? What, what, if, what if the Father wanted to send, I live in Houston, what if he wanted to send me to Dallas and I just got in my car and all of a sudden I find myself in Dallas? Don't have to spend five hours driving there. That's exactly what happened here. Would you like your radio to be able to tune into that frequency? Evidently, Jesus didn't. Jesus could turn the knob and pull it up. Well, that was Jesus. Well, no, as he is, so are you. Well, how about this? Look at this one. Acts chapter 8. This is not Jesus. Acts chapter 8. And let's come down to verse 38. <clears throat> Acts chapter 8, verse 38. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, the, this guy that Philip's ministering to. And I'm going to give you the backdrop in just a minute. And Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized the eunuch. Now when, the, when, the, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found as, at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. How would you like that? That's, that's Philip. We're talking about Philip here. We're not talking about Jesus. We're not talking about uh, uh, Peter, James, and John, or Paul. Philip was a relative unknown. 
Now let me give you the backdrop of the story. Let's, let's, as Paul Harvey says, let's look at the rest of the story. Let's come back to verse 26. Notice what happens here. We're talking today about coming into this walk of being led by spirit out of soul. I'm speaking straight to you this morning. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Underline angel spoke. Saying, arise and go toward the south along the road which goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So what did he do? Did he, did he rationalize this out? Did he say, soul, what do you think? Is this reasonable? Is this logical? No. He lived a life of responding. Responding. Where, where's, where are these angels that spoke to people? How come they're not speaking to, to, to us as clearly? Oh, they are. We're just learning to tune in. Watch. So he arose and went. He responded. He went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasury. This, this guy's a high official. And had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Verse 29, watch. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. In other words, get up there to where that guy is. Get, go over there and you need to talk to, talk to the eunuch. The Spirit said, well, the angel first directed him. Then the Spirit said, now did, did, did Philip say, I don't, I don't know him, man. This kind of puts me in an awkward position. This doesn't seem, I, I must have ate too much pizza last night. I don't know what's talking to me. I, I feel, what am I going to tell him? I, what am I going to say to him? The Spirit didn't tell him what to say to him, did he? He just said, one step at a time. You need to go over to where the eunuch is. So Philip went over there. He responded. He didn't rationalize it. He responded. Verse 30, so Philip ran to him. I love that. He, he, didn't, he didn't argue about it. And heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and so Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip, come up here and sit with me. And so, and so Philip went up and sat with him. All right. Now, this isn't, this isn't Peter, James, John, and, and Paul. Let me remind you. But a man named Philip that was moved out of soul. He listened to the radio within, right? The receiver that was within. And that receiver that's inside of Philip was searching the frequency dial. He's kind of turning the channels. You ever, you know, on a radio, have you ever done that? You just kind of go through, see what's, what's playing? That's what he was doing. All of a sudden, the radio hit the right frequency and it tuned into the angel station. And the angel said, here's what you need to do. Then he did that. Then the spirit-led station came on. Finally, as, as we read... He was caught up and moved to Azotus, another city, and he preached the gospel all the way to Caesarea. So then, then he tuned in to the caught up and teleported station. This is a regular guy. It's a spirit to spirit communication. It's not about words. It's, it's about transference of energy into the words. It's the moving of the intent of the Father's heart into your heart. What the Father intended was for this eunuch, who had great influence, the Father was planting that eunuch in the queen's core. That's what he was doing. And he used Philip to do it. So the, the, the intent of the Father's heart 
was planted into the heart of Philip through the direction of the angel and the spirit. Then God made it back up to Philip to wherever he's going and he just teleported him there. You say, well, that's, that's, that's crazy. Who said it's crazy? It's crazy because you've been unaware of it. It's crazy because we haven't tuned into it. The spirit searching the deep desire of the father raised Philip's awareness to tune into what the father desired. Now this morning here on the Digital Cathedral, if I'm actually communicating with you, if, I, if I'm communicating with you, you're getting more than my words. I hope you're getting more than my words this morning. I'm, I'm imparting the Christ that's in me to the Christ that's in you, okay? I, I, I'm, I'm communicating that. You should be picking up a lot more than my words this morning. Now, the spirit that is within me rides out on my words to you. And if you have ears to hear, you're picking up. And chances are, chances are, you're picking up a whole lot more than what I'm saying. Because the spirit in you, for you, the spirit within you, is not confined to the words and the spirit that rides out on my words. The spirit within you will take the spirit that rides out from me on my words and will bring it through to a frequency that resonates within you to meet what you need for right now. See, you, you hear more than words. You, have you ever done this? You ever gone to church and you sit there, you hear the whole, the, you go through the whole service and the pastor teaches and you leave and somebody says, how was church today? And you say, man, it was fantastic. Pastor preached a great message, did a great teaching today. And a person says, what did he teach? And you go, well, uh, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't really tell you, but it was really good. What, what you've done is you've picked up on the spirit that came out and it nourished your spirit, even though you can't remember the words. Words impart of themselves to you the divine energy. They're, they're awakening, you know, past your mind. They're beginning to awaken who you truly are. One, one with this realm of spirit. Let me say this in conclusion I've done. Let me lay on this plane. I think I've said enough. Without a doubt, God's breaking through to us on new levels. Can you agree with me there? He's bringing us to a place where we're experiencing and we're changing. We're, we're coming through experiences. We're experiencing things and we're, we're changing. He's drawing us higher and higher. So if you're going to get up high, you've got to get rid of your fear of heights. You've got to let go. You've got to let go. You've got to rest back. He's not teasing you with vague promises. He's not giving you a carrot way out in front that you can never get to. He's in the process of possessing us fully, entirely. We are becoming spirit-possessed people. We truly are. He's possessing us entirely. Are, are, are you ready for that kind of life? Are you, are you willing to step into that dimension? <clears throat> Father's pouring out on the world His Spirit. And as He does, we experience. And as we experience, we continue to awaken. We continues to expand us. And he's moving us and bringing us, and I'm done with this. He's bringing us, and be prepared for it. He's bringing you into a full manifestation as a son and a daughter of God. Amen? So this fifth chapter of Galatians is all about learning how to be spirit-led. And as you're spirit-led, automatically soul and flesh and law have absolutely no effect. They're, they're not relevant anymore to you. Hope you picked up something from this morning. 
Uh, we're going to hit chapter 6 next week, and I think we'll do the whole chapter in one session. So you don't want to miss that. I think there's some good things about making good choices that he'll say to us in chapter 6 of Galatians. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Let me just pray for you real quick. Father, I pray that what we spoke this morning would be more than words. It would be frequency. It would be spirit vibration that would change us from the inside out. Father, bless every person in the digital cathedral. Thank you for drawing us together from around the world and building a community that is, that is making a true difference in the lives of multitudes of people. We bless you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next Sunday morning on the Digital Cathedral. All right, let me just close this out this morning. First of all, by thanking you for being with me. Today, it's always an honor and privilege to have people that gather in at the Digital Cathedral. As you know, we started something new at the end of the uh, teaching every day, and it's a question of the week. So I want to give you a question to think about this week. And when you, we come together on Wednesday night, on Wednesday Night Live, we'll talk about it. So when you come to Wednesday Night Live, uh, I want you to make some comments or give your view on the question of the week. So the question of the week is, is basically this. How in your life did you come to a point where you began to respond to the spirit within over the soul that has led you for so many years? How did you become spiritually sensitive? I think that's a good question. How have you become spiritually sensitive in your life, right? So let's talk about that Wednesday night. Spiritual sensitivity. I'd love to hear how the Spirit of God has worked in your life to where now you're tuned in to what He's saying to you. Again, thank you for being with me. Thank you for your gifts and contributions. I love it when I come to my email and I see a PayPal contribution. It, it's an encouragement. Regardless of the amount, it is a total encouragement. And those of you that have made monthly uh, commitments, you're a blessing and I personally appreciate it so much. See you Wednesday night. We'll see you back next Sunday morning. You have a wonderful week. And don't forget to tell me how the Spirit of God is beginning to speak to you and work in your life and draw you over soulish inclinations. God bless and we'll see you next time.